0: I'm not afraid. Are you? The Watchman Speaks discusses biblical solutions to modern day dilemmas. I'll tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear. I am the old Watchman, Ezekiel. I pray you listen. Welcome to The Watchman Speaks. I'm your host, Lonnie Richardson. Last week, I discussed the sixth month of Elul and touched upon Teshuvah. After having posted that episode, I decided that I probably didn't cover the sixth month or Teshuvah as well as I could have, or as I should have. So this week, I'd like to get the diving bell out and dive deeper. Currently, the month of Elul is upon us. This day, August 21st, 2023 being the fourth day of the sixth month on God's calendar. Last week, I made a Facebook post about my personal walk regarding Teshuvah. If you'd like to get extra tidbits about the Old Watchman, visit my page, The Old Watchman, on Facebook. Additionally, I have a group on Facebook, The Watchman Speaks. But last week, I mentioned that I'd been praying and thinking about the sixth month of Elul and Teshuvah for two or three weeks. What have I been praying and thinking about? I've been thinking about all the blessings that Cheryl and I have received over the past year, and there have been many. I've been remembering the battles fought and the storms that we faced. There have been more than a few. I've prayed about the attacks of the enemy that have come and been repelled, and I am thankful. This past January, I was diagnosed with covid I had a mild temperature for about 16 hours and seasonal allergy symptoms for another 36 hours. After that, I felt fine. Certainly, I did not experience anything similar to the suffering that I have seen exhibited by others whom I have provided care for who had COVID. Additionally, I did not isolate myself within my own household. I attended every meal with everyone else around the dinner table and pretty much conducted business as usual within my home. No one else suffered in the wake of that. You see, I called Cheryl when I was sent home from work and told her that I'd tested positive. When I arrived home about 2 a.m., she met me at the door with a handful of essential oils, decreeing and declaring that I did not have COVID. She anointed me with those oils, and we went to bed and went to sleep. No great fanfare, no fear, distributed for COVID in my household we didn't accept it but we rebuked it in Jesus name in June of this year Cheryl underwent two eye surgeries the first surgery caused her intraocular pressure to rise to the extent that pressure was exerted upon her optic nerve causing her excruciating pain for nearly a week Now, I don't enjoy seeing my wife writhing or crying in pain when there seemed to be little or nothing I could do to help her. So what did I do? I prayed more. I ramped up on my worship and praise. I anointed her with oils. I massaged her head to relieve her stress and let her know that I loved her and that I was there for her. She underwent a second surgery six days after the first and her pain was relieved. But in no way was the enemy going to convince us that God had forsaken either of us. Now those are just a few of the attacks the Cheryl and I experienced over the past year. There have been others. But these two attacks would have been enough to upset the rest of most Christians if they had obtained God's rest to begin with. We could have fallen into the, oh, woe is me, we are undone ritual that I've seen many fall into. And to be honest, we have fallen into that in the past. I won't say that we won't ever fall into it again, but we have made a conscious decision together that we would lean upon each other and that together we would trust God fully in all things and accept what was His will. There have been blessings as well. Neither of us has met insurance deductibles now for the past four years. Our overall health has improved. We have had some unexpected expenses to arise, but we've been able to meet those expenses. Cheryl has been blessed with a wonderful job, good pay and benefits, and I just recently received a substantial increase in pay at my work. We have been able to bless others, and we've seen how blessing others often leads to still others being blessed. Additionally, I no longer work at night. I now work early afternoons into mid-evening, which means that I'm home with the family at night. Blessed. Uh Uh-huh, that's me. And to top it all off, the workplace, along with a substantial raise, did away with the shift differential pay. So I get paid the same no matter what shift I work. That's all right. The raise was substantial enough that I still come out way ahead. So during the time of Elul, and to Shuba I have been praying and thinking about this season what are my victories what are my accomplishments where have my losses and failures been is there anything I could have done better do I have any sin identified or unidentified in my life that I need to address and repent of the answer to those last two questions were a resounding yes. I have not been a good steward of my time. It's sad, but it's true. I need to work on that. And as I mentioned, I recently worked nights and time with my wife and family is scarce and precious to me. I make certain that my wife and children know that I love them because I make it a point to tell them and show them every day that I love them. But what about my mother-in-law? we take care of who lives with us have I made it a point to let her know that I love her probably not as well as I should I need to work on that but I mentioned in the Facebook post that I spoke of a few moments ago that there are some changes going to take place and there are some changes that are going to take place what kind of changes well currently I produce this podcast on a weekly basis. I'll continue to do so. I also make two or three posts on social media on a weekly basis, but lately I've noticed I've fallen down on that front. I currently have a website with a blog where I post articles, this podcast, video materials, and I've really fallen down on that front. Been quite some time since I have posted an article. While I've been diligent producing the podcast, I can't remember the last time I generated any video content. But the question rose in my mind, why do any of those things? That was the question that led me into Teshuvah. I didn't have an immediate answer. At least I had no answer that I could present in any manner that would make sense to anyone else. Then I began to wonder, does it have to make sense to me or anyone else? And the answer to that question is no. It doesn't have to make sense. God has acted many times in ways that may not make any sense to you or me. Yet, He is still God. and That answer suffices for me, and maybe it suffices for Cheryl. But I find myself wondering if it would suffice to those who actually listen to this podcast or read any of the things that I write. No. You deserve more than that. But initially, I didn't have more to give. So I prayed about it. Why should I do anything? Why produce a podcast? Why produce a blog filled with articles about the Bible and Bible study? Why produce video content? Why do any of those things? I'm not a pastor or a teacher. I'm certainly not particularly gifted in speaking or presentation. I'm not at all particularly handsome to look at. I'm not wealthy, celebrity, or famous in any way. So why, Father... Am I so compelled by your spirit to do these things? The answer to that question was resoundingly clear. You are my watchman. Because Hosea 4, 6 reads, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Chilling stuff. Because Jeremiah 6:17 reads, And I have set watchmen over you, saying, Listen to the sound of the trumpet. And they said, We will not listen. Because the world has gathered to itself preachers and teachers that tickle their ears and tell them what they want to hear instead of what God said. Because seminaries are churning out graduates, most of whose faith have never been challenged, much less tested. Over 90% of what I present has never even been mentioned in seminary. Which leads me to wonder if there are wide gaps in the presentation of knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. It is more than merely regurgitating the right answers to the same age-old questions. It's more about learning to ask the right questions and seeking wise answers. So the changes that are coming about from this time, this season of Elul and Teshuva, are many. I'm praying and working out schedules as to how I can better manage my time and accomplish more goals. Do I have a large following? No, not that I can tell. But God did not call me together a large following. He called me to be faithful. Nor has His Spirit revealed that it might be a large following at any time in the future. Here's my question. What is the price of a single soul worth? Would I be willing to pay the price, whatever that may translate into, as far as the amount of time, study, research, producing, editing, and praying that I've spent in regard to the financial expenditure that I have spent? Am I willing to pay that cost for a single soul to be reached in a heart changed to right standing before God? Yes, I think so. That's why I do what I do because I do not wish to see anyone destroyed because they did not have access to or the ability to gain knowledge. I do not wish to hear anyone say, we never heard the trumpet calling us to awaken and return to the ancient past. More importantly, from my perspective, I do not want to stretch forth my hand for God to take the blood of someone who was not warned because I withheld the warning. So yeah, I'm going to continue with this podcast. going to be scheduling time to write some articles for the blog on my website. And by the way, that website is www.theoldwatchman.com. In case you're interested in visiting, drop me an email. I'd love to hear from you. But I'm going to be looking into ways that I can record, edit, and post video content on a regular basis in the near future. There are some other things that are going to represent problems logistically as far as time goes. There are a few books floating around in my head that need to be written, as well as certain Bible study guides. There are so many things that Holy Spirit has swirling around within me that it's been overwhelming at times. How am I going to get these things done? That's what this time of Teshuva is for, to draw nearer to God to repent, to prepare for the high holy days. And I'll get to that very soon so that you'll understand the high holy days. It is for learning how to better steward what God has given you and then turning what God has given you back over to God so that His Spirit may lead you in the way God has planned for you. That may mean that you'll be required to give up something. How will you know that you can meet the challenges that will come? if you've not been tested. Sometimes those challenges will be a developing process. Other times it may mean that you'll be confronted boldly by the enemy to discourage you. Will you shrink back or will you proceed forward? Now many of you may say, Lonnie, that's Old Testament stuff. We know you're an Old Testament geek and that's all fine and good. But does this stuff about Elul and Teshuva Does that really have anything to do with us? Well, if by us you mean end times, Gentile believers, my answer is yes. Yes, it does. You see, it's not all entirely Old Testament stuff. Let's go to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 and 27 read. Now in the sixth month, The angel of the Lord was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now notice it was in the sixth month. What is the sixth month? It's the month of Elul. When is Elul? We are in the sixth month of Elul now. Elul is upon us now. Remember? Remember? Elul is an acronym for I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. Are you truly the beloved's? Is the beloved truly yours? Luke chapter 1 verse 31 reads, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Emmanuel. Luke 1.35 reads, "The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. Now, do you believe that? Do you believe that a virgin can conceive a child, being a virgin, by the Holy Spirit and the power of the Most High? That's what happened in the sixth month. Luke one thirty six reads, And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. Well, who was Elizabeth? She was Mary's cousin. She was the wife of Zacharias, the priest. The child that Elizabeth was carrying is John the Baptist. So if biology has not changed or some other divine interceding has not taken place, we can deduce the following. One, Mary conceived our Lord and Savior in the sixth month of the year by Holy Spirit and power of the Most High. Two, Elizabeth. Zacharias wife being way past childbearing age conceived John the Baptist in the month of Nisan during the month of Passover three Jesus if carried nine months as his normal gestation was born in the third month of Savon or around the Feast of Weeks Shavuot in the Old Testament or in the New Testament what would be known as Pentecost pretty interesting huh well I think so I find it particularly interesting I find it interesting that John the Baptist was conceived in the month of Passover in which Jesus would be crucified I find it interesting that Jesus conceived in the month of Elul just prior to the feast of trumpets why is that interesting what's Jesus coming back with a trumpet of God the feast of trumpets is a season that it's all going to come to head I find it interesting that Christ was conceived in Elul as Elul is a time of teshuva, turning back to God. And voila, the Son of God is conceived. Jesus, the King of kings, was conceived in Elul the sixth month, the month in which kings of the time would come down out of their palaces and mix and mingle with the common man. Enter in the conception of Christ the King, who comes down from His throne of glory to become a man who is fully man and fully God, to tabernacle amongst us common folk. I find it particularly interesting that at his birth, given a standard nine-month gestation period, is a month of Savoyne around Pentecost's outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about all these events and what transpired during these times. For me, at least, it proves that God does indeed have certain times and seasons and that he has worked in certain ways during certain seasons. At least he has in the past. Why should he stop now? But how do we know all this stuff about Teshuvah being during the sixth month of Elul? Well, last week I shared with you the second chapter of Joel. But Joel didn't say it was the sixth month, did he? No. Joel didn't say it was in the sixth month. But haggai did let's go see what haggai said haggai chapter 1 verses 1 through 5 read in the second year of darius the king on the first day of the sixth month the word of the lord came to the prophet haggai to zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of judah and joshua the son of jahazadek the high priest saying thus says the lord of hosts This people says the time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies desolate? Now therefore, thus says the Lord, Consider your ways. Now the people were in bondage. They wanted to go home. They wanted to rebuild their homes. God wanted a temple rebuilt. And his stern warning was, Consider your ways. Hmm. Haggai chapter 1, 6 and 7 read, You have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, and there is not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Wow. That's the second time God said, Consider your ways. Remember, God said all this on the first day, sixth month, the second year of Darius. Now, remember, in Joel, these things were foretold the drought, the famine, the march of the army against Judah. In Haggai, these things had come to pass. And the people wanted to go home. God told them, consider your ways. God reminds them in Haggai what the conditions were that got them to where they are. Little harvest, famine, no wine to speak of, little oil, not enough clothing and a wallet that won't hold money. He reminds them again, consider your ways. When did God remind them? In the sixth month, the sixth month of Elul don't know about you, but during this sixth month, I'm seeking my beloved, for I know that the beloved is with me. The king has come down from his throne to give me his audience. I'm going to take advantage of that. Now, verse 8 tells a story. He says, Go up to the mountains, bring wood and rebuild the temple, that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. Read that again. That I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. God wants that temple rebuilt. He wants people to reconsider their ways. And he wants the temple restored. Why? So that he may be pleased and glorified. Now if you read verses 9 and 11, God reiterates a famine and drought conditions brought about by disobedience and allowing the temple to fall into ruin. Oh, but the verses 12 through 15 show us that Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the remnant obeyed the voice of God, and they showed reverence for the Lord. He goes on to say that God stirred the spirit of Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the remnant of people, that they came to work on the temple, all on the 24th day of the sixth month, one week prior to the Feast of Trumpets. Now, I have to wonder, what were they doing from the first day of the sixth month when the Lord gave Haggai this word until the 24th day when they all came together to work on the temple? I would suggest that they are considering their ways. And it's strange how all these events keep swirling around God's timeline on events and the dates of appointment that God has established since Israel became a nation. If you'll notice, God has challenged Haggai, Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the remnant to one, consider your ways, and two, rebuild the temple. That's what teshuvah is. Elul and teshuvah are a season in which one should consider their ways. Well, what about rebuilding that temple? Are we to invade the country of Israel, demolish Islam, tear down the temple mount, and rebuild the temple? No. We don't have to do that. It's much simpler and easier than that. 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20 read, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. People, we are the temple. What was the purpose of which God wanted the temple rebuilt in Haggai? Do you remember? So that I may be pleased with it and I will be glorified. What does Paul tell the people of Corinth? Glorify God in your body, the temple. That's what this season of Elul and Teshuva are about. Considering your ways and glorifying God. I am the old watchman, Ezekiel. Now you know. And now you have been warned. Well, that's all for now. I thank you for your time and participation. Our time together is precious to me. Please... Come and visit me at theoldwatchman.com for show notes, articles, video content, book reviews, Bible study material reviews, and Bible study methods. It's my hope and prayer that you get to know me through this podcast. Through the website at theoldwatchman.com, I can get to know you. If you like the content, consider following The Old Watchman on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. See you next time. May nothing in your life be missing nothing in your life be broken. Shalom.